Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast for adults. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. This is our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Today, we present episode 335. Dear Woody, with Blood is Love and Nookie. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com With the coronavirus being active, please practice social distancing. Here's your host, Woody. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. On the line with me tonight is Alicia, also known as Blood is Love to Me. How are you tonight? Good, how are you? Well, you are uh, apparently fairly popular with some listeners because they've been writing me some email about you. Uh, wanting to know a little bit more, you, you do a lot of blood play, which is yes. pretty interesting. Not a lot of people understand limitations on blood play. So there's an exhibition part of it and a safety part of it. Can you uh, separate those for me on how that works? Yes. And uh, definitely the safety part is very important. That certainly comes first. And the exhibition part, yeah, I mean, I think that's always been a big part of it for me is certainly going online and sharing it with people. And it's kind of like I get to relive the experience forever that way. And then you get a lot of different reactions from different people. Yeah. And it's sort of like just kind of goes on forever and you can just kind of keep the experience going. Blood play can be rather shocking. And I guess you get a variety of comments from the good to the bad. Oh, yeah. Definitely have been some negative reactions over time. The community is, is kind of gitchy about uh, blood play right now. FetLife specifically, a couple years ago, they drew back on uh, a lot of blood play pictures. Were you involved during that time? Uh, yes. What, what was the rule that they were following in that case? They are censoring all of the blood pictures and what they perceive as being hard pictures. So it's been kind of difficult because it's been really subjective to them, what they consider to be too hard or not. And so that's been part of the problem. What's the driving factor of this? This goes back to the, the credit cards at one point, doesn't it? That's what they've said, but I believe there's just some laws that have changed online and it's meant to protect people for the most part. It just kind of also affects us, which I mean... For the most part, you know, if it protects people, I don't think it's that big of a deal overall. As far as you're concerned, the uh, blood play between a, a primary partner in your case, you really understand the safety aspect of it, and the blood is more of a spectacle. Is that correct? Uh, it can be. It can be just about bleeding sometimes, too. So you're, you're into that part of just letting it bleed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ever since I was a kid, like I started cutting when I was very young, just because when I would see myself bleed, I would just feel so much better and I would just feel happy. And it's really kind of always been like that. Blood sport. Hmm. Yeah. It really almost can change me, you know, it really has an effect on me, it makes me much more euphoric. What do you suppose drives that euphorism? I'm not even really sure. It's just something about, I think, your mind kind of turns off, I think. 
and other things just don't matter. And it's just kind of about the blood. So you move over to a different headspace and yeah, move on. We had a listener that uh, wrote in and he's asking how she got into masochism, the motivations behind it, first experiences, and is it hard to keep this thing going? Uh, I have found it difficult to keep up the same level over time. Uh, for a while, we were playing very hard all the time. And definitely, I find that difficult to really maintain. So I've kind of been lightening up a bit. What do you suppose that limitation is? There are a few things I genuinely don't like, but I feel like I could probably do most things if I really set my mind to it, probably. Ah, okay. We were talking about uh, when you were younger that you were into cutting and things like that. How did that transfer into the S&M side when you found a partner that was into it also? Cutting isn't something I've explored with partners too terribly much, but I know at some point I just started getting really fixated with having a guy hit me. And, and it kind of all just stemmed from that. I don't even know why that thought occurred to me initially, but yeah. So that was was just kind of your, your standard S&M, and then that evolved into a more of a blood play. Yeah. Kind of helps that I have my master, and he knows a lot about S&M, and he knows how to do a lot of blood things safely. That helps a lot. If he knows your background, then he knows some angles he can stretch you on then. Yep. Mm -hmm. The exhibitionist in you, Getting these pictures out and getting people to react, how does that make you feel? I've always really liked that part of it, like I said, because uh, I get to relive it over and over. I think that's always been the best part because, you know, I go home and I post the pictures and then it's like the experience just keeps going. And I think, you know, having positive reactions to it, that certainly helps. And I think when I was younger, like when I was cutting, it was, you know, doing that was such a bad thing at certain points in my life. And now, you know, me liking pain is considered to be a good thing to most people. So I feel like it's really helped me in that way. And it's made me feel okay about what I do. When you watch a certain type of play, you go, hey, I could do that and, and knock it up a notch. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely see all things all the time like that. So it gives you new ideas to get even more perverted. Yeah. And my master is very good at coming up with ideas. Ah, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and the important thing is he's played with you long enough that he understands your limits. And he can take you down a road without endangering your safety, but still give you the mind fuck that goes with it. Yes, exactly. This is a broader question. How does one find a dominant that, that kind of ticks your buttons? Uh, what do you look for? To, to find this dominant? Uh, for me, when I was looking for someone, it became very important, uh, at least for an extreme sadist, for them to be knowledgeable and experienced with what they were doing, which was really what I was looking for when I found my master. Because I had been with plenty of people who just, you know, they would make an innocent mistake and they wouldn't need to do it, but you could get seriously hurt by things like that. So I started feeling at some point it really depends on the knowledge and experience of the sadist, how safe it really is. So I always do look for that. There's a, a kind of a funny balance there 
Uh, you need somebody with skills to protect you and still give you the rush, but they are looking for the experience and to have somebody to do the travel with. So it's a, a bit of a paradox there. Yeah. Taking classes and various things and, and finding a mentor that can guide them along to the point where they can refine their skills enough that you would play with them, for instance. Yes. And I've tried topping and I've really been surprised by how difficult it really is. And I would definitely say that having experience and learning about it is extremely important. Do you find that uh, this type of uh, blood play is a little bit harder to find nowadays to, to get training? I would assume so. Yeah. I haven't seen that many classes about stuff like that. I think it's also more uncommon. You're one of the few people I know that I can call for information on this sort of thing. So back in uh, the Bay Area, I watched a blood play class and uh, it, it looked like a scene from Dexter. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> there was a, a lot of uh, plastic put up and there was a lot of blood in all directions. Mm -hmm. and, and play spaces that can accommodate that are great, but it's not a common thing to find a play space that will, will have a place where you can do uh, bodily fluids in that uh, far flung. Do you play mostly in private? Uh, when I do things like that, it is normally at a club that has an enclosed shower. And we've been fortunate to have a few clubs that have had that. And uh, certainly... With some toys, you need something like that because it'd be very messy. So I haven't done it privately, really, because, well, I have, I guess, but it's much messier. Well, it's hard to find a club that will even allow it and, and that has yeah. a facility for it. If they do, you you um, you lucked out on that one. The only one time I have seen it in a, a hotel ballroom environment, the, uh, the crew spent a lot of time uh, closing off the area to make sure that uh, the fluids would be maintained. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was well used that night, I remember. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so there's more than one of you out there, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How big a community of blood play do you think there would be around the U.S.? Uh, I know around me, uh, you know, I think a lot of people like it, really. I mean, when you get to the point where it starts bleeding – I think a lot of people are excited by it. Not really everyone, but I think a fair amount of people I know like it to some extent. It's quite a spectator sport, you know? Yeah. If somebody's going to do it, I'll be watching, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And certainly it's kind of like a reward, you know, if you're getting beaten and it starts bleeding, you know? It's sort of like a reward for it. It's a nice little moment. So your badge of honor you'd like actually pinned to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did you meet your dominant? Where would you find somebody that pushes your buttons? Uh, I found him on FetLife, actually. Uh, I was I uh, posted an ad looking for an extreme sadist that was knowledgeable and experienced. And I think that he had probably been following me because I had posted some stuff about some bad experiences I had. And, yeah, I think the first message he sent me was like, do you want to do this stuff and not get killed and have your bones broken? Which was pretty much exactly what I wanted to hear at that time. Well, th that's the magic moment when you go, hey, I can get what I want and still live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it, yeah, it was difficult before that. I definitely had some moments. I didn't know. 
Do you play with more than uh, one dominant? Uh, yes, I have several right now. Who is controlling that selection, you or a primary? My master approves everything I do, but for the most part, you know, he lets me decide what I do and who I go out with. When a scene is being planned, does your dominant do most of the planning and surprise you with it, or do you have input under that? For the most part, he comes up with most of the ideas. Uh, normally, before we have a little session where we have like a big conversation about it, I try to ask every question I can imagine, just because I'd like to know what I'm doing. And I definitely, you know, I can have some input, but I like him deciding what to do for the most part. Have you ever had a scene with multiple doms at the same time? Every year we do a birthday spanking where I get spanked by everyone in the club pretty much. Yeah, those are always hard to take, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always fun though. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I've been in the conga line for that uh, before. <laughs> Your exhibition, as we've talked about this uh, a couple times, but is it basically um, the the blood play, or are you uh, an exhibitionist in other areas? When I was younger, I used to be more into you know nude stuff, but I don't know on Fat Life. At least a long time ago, that stuff wouldn't get appreciated at all. If I posted like a naked picture, people would just be like, "Why do you think we want to see you naked? We just want to see you get beaten." So I really, yeah. Yeah, damn the luck. Everybody's a specialist, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I just stopped uh, doing stuff like that for a long time, really. And yeah, so I've kind of been doing things like that more. And it's you know appreciated by people. <laughs> Exhibitionism is, is kind of a um, a funny thing. When you mentioned when you were younger. Did you just want to go out and run in the woods naked? At some point? I don't know if I ever was that exhibitionistic, I guess. It's fun at parties. It's always kind of a weird thing at parties to walk into a room full of clothes people and take all your clothes off. And see what the reactions are? Yeah. <laughs> That's always just how the scene begins like that. The warm-up. Mm-hmm. What's new for you? What's on your horizons? Uh, we have a few scenes coming up. Uh, we're thinking about doing a cunt beating which should be interesting. I've never really done something like that. What would the implement be to do that? Um, we were going to do a belt, crops, and kicking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> which should hurt, definitely. Yeah, I would say so. Short of the boot inflicting a broken bone, yeah. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> How often do you get to play in public? Our favorite club around here closed recently, so hasn't been as easy as it once was. But normally, once or twice a month, normally, when things are normal. Do you think many clubs are going to not return after COVID? I suppose it's possible, but I'm hoping that they come back. You you look at the financial side of that, you know, they haven't had any income for a couple months. It's kind of hard to pay rent. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's kind of concerning. I'm afraid we're going to uh, lose a percentage of our clubs across the country, even around the world. Yeah, it's probably likely. When you're going to do a blood scene, 
what kind of ways uh, are there to draw blood? There are several ways. One of my favorite ways is uh, the weapon X, which is uh, a truss plate uh, attached to a wooden, uh, well, to a paddle, and that ex- that makes a lot of blood. And how deep does that cut? It depends. I have some that are pretty deep, and they're still there for sure. But it's you know it depends how hard you hit with it. It can be fairly superficial, but it can be a lot deeper too. Okay, and and so that that does uh, just cuts in a line, I guess, right? Yeah, like a bunch of little holes. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and what other uh, devices? Uh, well, there's things like uh, drawing blood from the vein, which is something that is always fun if you can find someone that knows phlebotomy, mm-hmm. and that's uh. More of a simple way to get a whole bunch of blood. Okay, so when you say a whole bunch of blood, you you, you go up and you you give a a pint or more. Uh, really, it only takes a couple milliliters. Really, huh? blood really goes far. I've done scenes where we draw about as much blood as you would get if, if you went to the doctor. But if you pour that all over you, it just looks like a murder scene. Ah, but okay. Only that way. So it's the spectacle of it to a certain degree. Yeah, that okay. one definitely. The last time we had you on, you had talked about prepping with blood uh, from the vein in the front and then adding that to the scene to make it a little mm-hmm. more dramatic. That would be uh, interesting. And, and anybody that wasn't paying attention would go, holy mackerel, she's being murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That'd be good. Is there any other extreme plays that you like to do? Really any form of pain for the most part, with a few exceptions. I've been dating someone new who's into needles, so that's not something my master has been terribly into. So I've been experimenting with needles with him. Needles and patterns and things? Yeah, doing some more artistic stuff. Mm-hmm. Just wait till you're suspended by uh, needles and threads. Yeah, that would be a lot. That that is pretty intense. I've seen that done a number of times, and it's always amazing. (laughs) I saw a human harp once. Oh, yeah? Uh, That was was pretty cool. They had their arm stretched out, and uh, they were threaded up and down. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, pretty amazing. I used to see a lot more scenes like that. Um, when I was out on the West Coast than um, I have here in the Midwest and the mm-hmm. South. I don't know if it's uh, changed in popularity or it just uh, hasn't really uh, sunk into the area. Yeah, I don't know. I want to thank you for coming back on the show and um, giving us a, an update to answer some of the questions that were uh, written into us. Blood play is certainly a spectacle, and it, it, I don't recommend this first-timer, certainly get some knowledge before anybody tries this because it can be deadly if it is done wrong. You know that very much more than anyone. Thanks for being on the show tonight. And uh, I hope you have a nice bloody scene soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Part two of this show. We have Nookie on the phone of Nookie Notes. How are you tonight? I am Fabulous. How are you? Oh, well, that's great. You are uh, such a friend of the cast. And we have had a note from a listener that has been sitting um, locked into their room with uh, COVID going on. 
and they want to get out and start to dating into the kinky world, but they're not sure how to do it. And since I know that you have the answer to that, maybe you can tell us. <laughs> I can certainly do my best. I mean, with everything going on with COVID, things are a little different than they might have been, you know, just a few short months ago. However, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, we're going to go back to everything being relatively the way that we experience them to be. And so I, I guess I'll cover kind of both sides of that, if I could. Getting out of the kinky world right now, to me, means online, at least to start. That's how a lot of people are going to sort of dip their toes in the water, learn about the internet for good or ill has become a centralized part of our life. It's become a repository of information. And so somebody who wants to get out there is, has a huge benefit these days, I think, if they can make use of what the internet has to offer as far as, even, even before we talk about dating specifically, if we talk about Facebook groups like Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape, I'm an admin on that group. It's entirely educational. Uh, BDSM United is another one I'm an admin on. But there are plenty of lifestyle groups out there. Those are the ones that I know actually endeavor to give really good, awesome information um, and support you know, new people as well as experienced people. And I think those represent 120,000 people or something together. So they're, they're relatively large groups. And then you have FetLife, which has a ton of groups out there for socializing for nearly every kink imaginable. And I know a lot of people find FetLife to be confusing <laughs> because it, it's huge, right? Like there's so much there. And what you're just laying out is there is a ton of resources, but people don't know where to look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you can, um, first of all, get out into into spaces like like on Facebook, like the groups I mentioned, Whip Chains and Duct Tape, uh, BDSM United, ask questions. Hi, I'm new. Here are some things I'm interested in. Do you know where I might want to go to learn more? Right. That's a great way to just start dipping your toes in and finding out what people who actually do these things or who actually identify as whatever it is that you think you might be or are interested in, what they're doing and how they're finding their information. Let me, let me give you a don't. I usually like to focus on the positive, but I don't suggest going into those groups and saying, hey, I'm looking for someone who will do X with me, right? Because while you personally might be totally and completely open to doing X, whatever the X is, with a complete stranger, that's not how most of the internet works. Uh, that's not how most people work. And you might be given a bit of a lecture, right? Because the kinky stuff that we do can be dangerous with the wrong people. On FetLife, get out there, follow me, <laughs> follow KinkyCast, right? Because uh, KinkyCast has great people that you're interacting with on a regular basis. You're recommending people that they can be paying attention to, that they can be following, that they can be listening to or whatever. And pay attention to the things that they say, uh, that they write about. And if you have the nerve 
send a private message. I mean, I'm always open to private messages. I get hundreds a week um, saying, hey, I'm new here and I'm looking for information about X, Y, Z. Do you have any ideas where I might be able to find that? Um, and also do your searches. Uh, FetLife Search uh, actually has improved. You can find groups, you can find people, you can find events related to things. And then Dating Kinky, which is my site. And what we do there is we connect people, thus the dating part. Um, but we also do a lot of education. In fact, we have a newbies night every single month that has a four, it's a four part series and you can jump in at any part of the series and take, you know, one through four or two through one or three through two or whatever it is um, and learn a lot of the basic things that we think help newbies sort of like get their bearings in the world that is kink. Um, and that's free. Our webinars are free and we host them live. Um, we also have webinars on non-monogamy, that is like open relationships, swinging, polyamory, that type of thing. We have a monthly webinar about communication. We have a monthly webinar about submission. Again, all free things. And not only are these webinars great places to learn as a newbie, but because these are monthly events and because there are a lot of people you know, coming to the site and joining these things, they're also great places to meet other people and connect. And we've actually found a lot of our members at the end of every webinar, we encourage people to share their profiles. Hey, here's where you can find me on Twitter. Here's where you can find me on FetLife. Here's where you can find me on Dating Kinky. Here's where you can, you know, read something that I talked about. Here's a book that I mentioned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we share links and information and we connect people um, in our education as well. And then on the dating side of things, we connect people through the interests that you have. So if you are looking to meet somebody for friendship, for play, for dating, for marriage, relationships, whatever, you know, we got you covered. Uh, you can give all of the basics. Like it used to be way back in the days of the internet, they'd be like ASL question mark, which meant age, sex, and location, right? The three things we had to know on the kinky bulletin boards when we're talking to somebody who interested us. These days, I, I actually call that Kegel. It's a kink role. So what's your kink role? Are you a dominant? You a submissive? You a little? You a middle? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your age, your gender, and then your location. And location matters, of course, if you want to get together in person. Someday. Um, yeah, someday. Um, but a lot of people I've found actually want to just connect, right? Even, even if it doesn't mean like that they're going to meet in the next couple of weeks or whatever, they want to connect. They want to make friends. They want to share experiences. Maybe they want to do a little, you know, what we called back in the old days, cybering. <laughs> Ooh, cybering. Sounds very futuristic. <laughs> right? Um, you know, it, I guess these days on the phone, it's called sexting, right? Um, but it's connecting with people. And the main thing when it comes to connecting with people is to put yourself out there and do it. Even if you're a little awkward, even if you feel a little weird about it, 
And then another thing that I would highly recommend that a lot of my members have found incredibly useful is one of the first things I did when I created Dating Kinky was I also realized that I wanted a guide for how to date while kinky. And so there's actually a book out there called Dating Kinky Presents, Dating Kinky, Finding the Kinky Love of Your Fantasies. And we make this as a part of our monthly membership, which is $5 a month. Um, you get a new book every month, plus webinar replays um, in audio and video format, so you can listen to them or watch them, and some other amazing features and benefits and so on and so forth. So you could get Dating Kinky, the book, for $5 a month, plus right now I think we have eight or nine other books in the library right now. Or you could go to like Amazon iBooks, Smashwords, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and find the book Dating Kinky for $10 and just purchase it right out. Um, but the thing we do in that book is we talk about like how to create your profile to attract the right people. Like one of the things I always say is, write your profile to disqualify people. Because <laughs> if, if you say, you know, hey, I'm kinky and I like puppies and good food, right? Then you're Pretty potentially, broad. yeah, you're potentially matching yourself with everybody out there. And that's going to get really old really quickly. Well, the, the weeding at that point is going to take forever. Yes. To try to get you down to where you find somebody that you want to be with. You had mentioned something um, just a moment ago about people being kind of afraid to ask for things. And if you think back to when you kind of first came into the scene, and this was a long time ago for me, but I remembered that I thought I was a freak. Mm -hmm. And, okay. you know, I liked things that, normal in air quotes people um, don't like and finding the match for me. And just like you said, Kegel is, is a good example, trying to find the person of the gender that I wanted that had the kinks that I wanted. The location was a bit of a hard one that was 4,000 miles away from me, but it worked in the end. Yeah. Oh, the first time I went to a munch with that person, for it was probably the first munch I'd ever gone to. And mm -hmm. I felt like I had three eyes. Okay. You know, people were looking at me. There's something wrong with that person. Uh, but suck it up, Buttercup. You know, uh, there there's a lot of good things for those who ask. If you don't ask, nobody will come out. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a a book out there that is not kink related. It's called um, The Luck Factor. I'm not remembering the author right now, but it's by a UK uh, psychological scientist. And he talks about how a lot of what we call luck is actually skill and putting yourself out there and putting yourself in front of people. So I say, you know, put yourself out there, put yourself in front of people, because if you take, and I did this in, in Dating Kinky, the book, I did a ton of Venn diagrams where if you say, okay, so now if you take the gender that you're looking for, and let's say the gender that you're looking for is men, right? So that's going to be 40, 
let's say 40% of the population, let's keep it super simple, 40% of the population, because you've got women, and then you've got all the other genders that people identify as, right? So 40% of the population for men. Okay, so, and then I want out of that, you know, I want to slice between 35 and 55. So that takes it down to 15% of the population. And then I want somebody who is kinky, which takes it down to, they, they say 30, 33% of the population is probably kinky in some way, but I'm going to go, let's go all the way down to like 4%, right? So now we're at 4% of the population. Plus I'm into men who are submissive. So I'm going to actually take that down to like one and a half percent now because there's so, well, let's just even say one, let's just take it all the way down there. One um, percent of the population. I, I know that I'm like completely winging this, but now we got one percent of the population. So out of that 100 percent of single well, that's, uh, I didn't even do the single, no, so let's, let's go let's go 50 of that. Okay, so now we got half a percent. So now we got to do single men who are submissive and kinky. So now we're at a half percent of the population. So that's one person out of every 200 people. Okay, great. Now you got to find somebody who is either local to you or finds you in the places you are, right? Mm -hmm. So you found somebody 4,000 miles away, but they were in a place where you were virtually. Yes. Right? Out of the 0.5% the of the population, how many of those are here in Raleigh, where I am, or within 50 miles of me? I can't even imagine how astronomically small that number ends up being. However... If I'm willing to open my mind, and I've met people from all across the country, you know, people who have traveled to me, people that I, I've met, I've met people that I've known for five years online and ended up meeting them when I went to London, right? Like this is, it's just, it happens if you are willing, if you're willing to connect. So putting yourself in as many places as possible to make yourself accessible to that group. And keep in mind that that is a very broad group, right? I just, I just gave myself a ton of leeway when I just said submissive. I didn't, you know, even add in all of the traits that I like in a human, you know, what religion do I, do I require them to be, if any? Do I have specific physical characteristics that I, I prefer? Do I want them to be funny and able to make me laugh. Do I want them to be a good cook, right? Do I um, prefer athletic people, people who will travel with me? Each time you add in a preference, you narrow the potential respondents significantly. You know, every time you do an overlapping preference, that area of potential gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And yet, Strangely enough, people still meet. People still court each other. People still fall in love and do kinky fucking shit. Even though we are sometimes literally less than one in a million. Finding that one in a million is the great question. And yeah. if you don't look, you'll never find them. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Put yourself everywhere. Put yourself on vanilla sites and be circumspect about it. Put yourself on dating kinky. Put yourself on FetLife. Put yourself on Facebook. Put yourself out there. Interact with people from a friendly, open nature and ask questions and get to know people and make friends. Friends in kink, let me just add, I think friends in kink is one of the most critical things you can do. A lot of people come into kink thinking, I'm going to get my rocks off and friendship doesn't matter. And I think that is entirely backwards it is. because it's often going to be the friends who are going to connect you with the people and the ideas and the things you need to know to successfully get your rocks off in the crazy fucked up ways that we like to do this stuff. Well, you know, when you talk about that one in a million person, finding that one in a million person through a friend that has been in the kink scene for, you know, 20 years is going to yeah. be a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I have a little joke. Well, I mean, it's kind of a joke. It's a, it's a card that I've created that says, you know, you're not one in a million because that means there would be, you know, eight of you in New York and 13.7 of you in LA and, you know, 314 of you in the US, you know, you're once in a lifetime. But if you think about it, all it really takes in many cases is that one connection or in the case of, you know, someone like me who's non-monogamous, that one connection plus whatever other awesome connections come my way. Add to Kegel, poly acceptable, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly, exactly. The thing is, we can refine this thing down uh, to a grain of sand, but uh, analysis paralysis is going to stop you from ever meeting up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, again, suck it up. You had mentioned getting on dating, uh, uh, vanilla dating sites. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only cautionary note that goes with that is when you find this lovely person on the vanilla site, and then you come out that you're kinky. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. freak the fuck out. Be, be ready for that. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I've, I've actually, I've experienced that. And I know people who've experienced that. Um, I also know several people who have found the love of their life on vanilla dating sites. However, I, as, as you mentioned, it's not for the timid Right. You, know, you can't you can't really dip your toe in there because you go out on a couple of dates and everything seems wonderful. And then you're stuck in the when do I say something category. Right. Oh, yeah. That, that's such a fine line because, you you know, you're you're five dates into this thing and you really like them. And now you got to tell them that you're mm -hmm. a bit of a freak. But on the other hand, as I actually literally said to somebody today on a forum that I'm on for dominant men um, who it's about, it's about finding their inner dominance and learning how to really express it and be authentic. And um, this person had said, well, you know, I was always concerned about, you know, really, you know, showing my true colors and the things I was interested in. And I said, but, if you don't get to show who you are, if you can't be who you are in your relationship, is that really a relationship you want? Boy, is that true? That's the line that you have to take. You have to be able to say, I want to be myself and I want to live my life authentically and do the things I love more than I'm afraid of losing the potential to fake it for the next seven years or however long that relationship might last if I pretend I'm somebody I'm not. 
presenting yourself as genuine, kinky, vanilla, whatever you are, hiding something for 20 years is just going to kill you. Oh, oh my goodness. And my heart goes out to these people who write to me and they say, well, how do I do X, Y, Z if my partner isn't into this? And I'm like, ethically, you don't. Because if your partner is not into this and they're not open to you being with somebody else, you're going to be in a lot of pain and potentially causing a lot of pain to your partner and your your potential family if you have one and and so yeah if you're at a position right now i mean it, for those of you who are listening who are at a position where you don't yet have somebody this is this is something to really think about is that you're in a position to literally design your life moving forward and choose the path that you're willing to take and the communication style that you want in your relationship and the the openness and the you know sexuality and so on and so forth you're able to make those choices as you connect with people through kink and that's incredibly powerful just knowing that that's an option i want to thank you for uh, joining the uh, the dear woody segment here tonight <laughs> and <laughs> if somebody wants to write to you and ask you questions how do they get to you they can send me an email to Nookie, N-O-O-K-I-E, at datingkinky, D-A-T-I-N-G-K-I-N-K-Y.com. Or if they're on FetLife, they can send me a message at Nookie Notes, N-O-O-K-I-E-N-O-T-E-S, and I'll answer. You have been very open with uh, so many people for so many years. People uh, see you as the oracle. And <laughs> we're out here to help the people that are uh, coming into the scene. And that's what we're all about. We're giving back to community. Absolutely. To me, that's the key. I, I ran an in-person venue for some time. And one of our three values was education with dating kinky. You know, our two main values are connecting people and educating them so they can make the most of those connections. And so a lot of what I do, just like you is free and open to the public because I think that the happier and more people understand kink, the better the entire kink world gets. Cannot argue with that. And again, thank you for uh, for joining me on this show. I got you on short notice because I wanted to get these questions answered as, as quick as we could. Sure. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. You have been listening to episode 335 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. 